Hi, I'm Dan. I'm a photographer, father and husband. And this is the Booze Break Podcast. This is the show for people like me who find themselves stuck in a loop of drinking more often and in more quantity than they'd like. You're welcome to follow me on my journey to change my relationship with booze and explore ways in which to live a more productive, healthy, fulfilling and alcohol-free lifestyle. Welcome to the Booze Break Podcast. podcast is a diary of my journey taking a break from alcohol as well as looking into different ways to help sustain a break from the booze. We'll be going into the ups and downs as I circumnavigate my way through work, family life and social situations without the hooch. I'll be delving into the benefits of living booze free and tackling subjects such as uh, social pressure, health, identity and alcohol representation in the media. Just a quick warning, there's likely to be some choice language and adult themes peppered throughout this series, so if you're easily offended or have children within earshot, you've been forewarned. Full disclaimer up front, I'm not an expert in any of these fields. My opinions are purely based on my own experiences and a little research. I also want to make it clear that I do not judge anyone based on their relationship with alcohol. Do what you want, drink what you want. But if you're like me and want to change your relationship with booze, whether that be to stop completely, uh, take a break, or just cut down, you're welcome here. Hello, I am Dan and welcome to another episode of the Booze Break Podcast. How are we all doing? So currently I'm sitting at 49 days booze free, which is crazy. And that's literally the longest time I've spent without a drink since my teens, uh, which is uh, just insane. What, uh, What I feel like I've done such an achievement. And I know that there's people out there that I speak to that have been alcohol free for a year, two years, seven years, whatever. Um, and you know that, that that's all um, totally amazing. And uh, so sometimes I, I feel like, oh, you know, I've not really gone that far, but actually I have. It's it's uh, every day is a massive achievement for me, and it's it's only getting better. So I'm pumped. I'm super excited. Um, you know, I'm just I'm very proud of myself. Um, so little update on me. I've uh, been reading a new book. I uh, picked up Alcohol Explained by William Porter. Uh, it's essentially a very accessible book on a lot of the science behind alcohol and its effects. This book spans the entire spectrum uh, from those sort of first drinks to like full-blown alcohol dependency. So it's a really good read so far. And uh, because it's so broad, there's a lot of information that most of us can relate to. I think, you know, no matter where you are on that kind of spectrum uh, of your kind of relationship with alcohol. Um, so it's, 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 it's great. Um, also from, from, from the point of view of someone who didn't used to read a great deal and is now getting into it a little bit more, uh, I will say, uh, that the text is quite large. So you feel good about putting away sort of, I don't know, even like six pages and oh, I've achieved something. Um, there's, uh, there's nothing more demoralizing for me than picking up a book and there's like hundreds of words on one page. Uh, and you know, you feel like you've done, a, you've done two pages and, and, and that's enough. You can't kind of, you can't read anymore because you're shattered. Uh, so uh, yeah, definitely recommend picking that up. I will leave a link to it in the, in the show notes and you can go and check that out. When it comes to my journey, I'm still feeling great. Although I'll be completely honest, I have let my sleep slip a little bit. I've been staying up a little bit later, kind of going back to my old ways. Not super, super late. Um, but I think the latest I've stayed up since not drinking was, I think, 1 a.m., which is still pretty good for me. But um, yeah, I've noticed that, you know, if, if I slip back into that kind of routine of like still waking up relatively early um, with my daughter or with my wife, 
um, my my energy levels are dropped, and also my patience drops, um, and that's not cool. You know, I've I've been I've had to, I've snapped at my daughter a couple of times when and sort of thought oh, I didn't need to do that, and it was because I was distracted. It's because I wasn't, um, you know, you know, I didn't have enough energy to respond to her in in the in the best possible way. So yeah, I need to work on that. I definitely want to have more patience in my life, especially with my daughter who is two, and you know she doesn't get it, and she is testing the boundaries of you know what she can achieve and what she can get away with and i don't want to be raising my voice every single time that she's you know trying to trying to play me essentially i've also been loving exploring the range of alcohol-free beers that are on the market recently um once you find the good retailers they open up the door to some excellent alcohol-free alternatives um, that taste amazing so um yeah i've been trying out lots of different beers and i've been really excited about that uh, I'll be honest, I've been, I've, I have tried a few wines that I've not been fussed about at all. I think as soon as someone um, creates like an alcohol-free red wine that is actually good, um, then I will be a happy man because I, I kind of do miss that kind of red wine in the evening type vibe. I just don't miss the alcohol. Um, so if any of my listeners have got any recommendations for that, I would love to hear them and I will definitely be spending some money um, on on those. I'm also drinking less coffee at the moment and this is completely subconscious. I didn't mean to do it. Um, but I, yeah, I, I'm finding myself in the daytime when, I, when I'm at work or even when I'm at home, I'm drinking way less coffee. I would have like maybe one or two cups in the morning um, and then that's it now pretty much. Like no more coffee for the rest of the day. And um, whereas back when I was drinking, I'd be drinking coffee the whole way through work. You know, I might have like six or seven cups of coffee, which is pretty scary. That's probably the most extreme um, sort of end of the scale. But yeah, um, I don't know why I'm drinking less coffee. Again, it's not, it's, not a, it's not a thought process. It's just happened. And I'm wondering whether it's because I don't need it as much, you know, because I'm feeling great and I'm energized for the most part certainly more than I was before, even with, you know, my sort of, you know, less than, you know, ideal sleep pattern. Uh, so yeah, I'm thinking maybe it's just the fact that I, I don't need to use a stimulant in the daytime anymore. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. Lots more water. So that's cool. Uh, according to my very clever app, I have passed on 240 drinks in the last 49 days, and I've saved a total of 481 pounds in the process. And that's if you don't count how much money I've spent on alcohol-free beer, which is actually quite a lot. Uh, but I'm not counting that. As far as I'm concerned, I'm, I'm cool with that. Um, I've got these figures from my uh, from my Clever app, that which I've mentioned in most of the episodes, but I never actually tell you what it's called because I always forget. It's called Easy Quit. Um, and if anyone's interested, you know, you can go and check that out. They, they don't sponsor the show or anything like that. And I'm pretty sure you can only get it on Android, but it's, it's quite cool. I really like it. So in today's episode, I've got a very, very special guest. Uh, Ruri Fairbairns is one of my favorite people. He's one of the founders of One Year No Beer alongside Andy Ramage. He's in the One Year No Beer Facebook community every day cheering us on. And he was one of the first people to encourage me to start this podcast, which I'm truly grateful for. I sent him over literally the first ever episode that I recorded and it was really rough. And he literally called me up and the first time I'd ever spoke to him in, in you know over the phone. Um, called me up on Facebook and and just gave me so much positive feedback and it, he was so nice and he was ready to support it straight away. So I can't thank him enough for that. I'm really grateful. In this interview, we'll be sharing his journey uh, to achieving a healthy relationship with alcohol 
as well as developing other elements of his life uh, in a more healthy, productive and fulfilling way. I'm gassed to have Rory on the show, so let's get into it. Rory, welcome to the Booze Break Podcast. How are you? Fantastic. Even better for being here. Oh, you're far too kind. (laughs) The listeners of my podcast know that I'm a big, big fan of uh, one year no beer. We've, uh, I've, you know, um, th- it was basically one year no beer that kind of started this journey for um, for me. My uh, my lovely auntie who's just celebrated a year um, um, alcohol free, which I've mentioned several times on on the podcast. I'm just so proud of her. Um, really, uh, kind of gave me a nudge um, in your direction. Although you'd actually been on my radar previously to this um, through. I guess very clever um, sort of targeting and things like that, and um, <laughs> very so, clever targeting. <laughs> it, it, it's it's amazing because I was always like, oh, this looks really cool, and I was starting to see the stories, and I was starting to see the success programs. And we were infecting your newsfeed, weren't we? Yes, I, and so I, 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 which works, you know, fantastically well because you know it, it, I, you were already a, a sort of trusted source you know at, at that point you know there was um i'd already i knew about you when she when uh, claire mentioned one year no beer i thought okay i'm gonna go check these guys out and see see what it's all about um but i i would i'm gonna uh, i'd love to wax lyrical about one year no beer a little bit later on down the line but first i'd love to know a little bit more about yourself can you give us like a mini bio completely separate from one year no beer and alcohol in general can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are Yes, um, I can. Uh, so I'm originally from the west coast of Scotland, the Isle of Mull. Beautiful part of the world. Absolutely beautiful. Um, pretty synonymous with drinking culture. Um, grew up, like most of us in the UK, watching friends, um, parents, parents, friends, aunties, uncles celebrate, commiserate and congratulate with alcohol. Um I was super manic, hyperactive. Um, six years old, my parents were offered an ultimatum, either drugs or counselling. Um, and I'm very fortunate that they chose counselling because I think it made me the wiser individual I am today. Um, I really struggled with my brain um, and uh, really struggled to fit in. I had um, I went through some suicidal attempts um, in my, my early um, early school years, 14 and then 15, um, took an overdose and tried to hang myself. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, I wanted, I wanted out and, um, I, cu- I couldn't really understand this brain of mine. Um, I just didn't fit in. And, um, this sort of not fitting in led me to writing a letter to Richard Branson when I was 14 years old. Um, and, um, I had been really studying, I think, business and self-development from the age of 12. Um, so I started reading self-help books from 12. Um, they weren't helping very much when I was 13 and 14, but hey. Anyway, um, <laughs> there's reading and then there's applying. I was very yeah, good at sure. reading books, not necessarily good at applying them. Yeah, at least you got the context in early and you can you can build on that later on in life. Yeah, exactly. Um, perhaps if I hadn't read them, I wouldn't be here today. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, so um, uh, I wrote this out to Brands at 15. I set up my first business. I left school before the legal age, just before 16th birthday. Um, and, um, you know, I was really focused on having a massive impact in the world. Um, set up a number of businesses. Actually, by the time I was 25 years old, I'd tried five different enterprises, um, the largest of which employed up to 10 people for three years in Edinburgh. Uh, we ran a tech sales outsourcing business, um, which was great. But then 
rather randomly um, through, so I found myself, you know, having failed another startup, I call myself a serial failpreneur. Um, <laughs> and um, I found myself back on Mull telling the story to my to a friend and they were listening. They were like, this is amazing. You should apply for the TV program, The Apprentice. Yeah. Um, so I um, finished off my fifth point, went back up the up to the house filled out the application form. And after six months of interviews, flying down to Glasgow, to London, um, I uh, got accepted to go on series two in the UK. Um, and I um, sat outside the studio for four hours waiting to go into this into this show with producers coming in and out going, you're going on, you're going on quick, you know, get ready. What's really disappointing is that I had um, bought a new kilt so I was oh. going to go on The Apprentice and wear a kilt. Amazing. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> if they'd have, if they'd have a, let me. What a hook that would be. <laughs> anyway, I said, uh, I sat outside the studio and eventually they came out and said, look, I can't explain it, but you're not going on the show right now. Okay. Um, so um, slightly demoralized, I found myself back at Heathrow Airport waiting for them to fly me back to Scotland. And I thought, no way am I going back to Scotland. Um, mm-hmm. And I looked at the departure board and I saw the next flight going to Ibiza. That'll do. I'll go there. Amazing. So um, hopped on a plane to Ibiza and randomly bumped into an oil broker. And that's when I got the job as an oil broker. Um, and yes, I guess um, I've, I've given you a bit of the whistle stop tour there. Oil broking is where two worlds collided for, for me. You know, I could party and be successful. And what I didn't realize until much, much, much later is that I could use booze as a way to numb out um, the noise that I hadn't really been addressing. Um, and uh, and figuring it out, um, and I said I started on crude oil and quickly got assimilated. I would say, um, but into the industry, you know, I became um, a very successful broker, and I probably had to go against a number of areas of my personality in order to be um, to be successful, uh, or or really who I was. I think authentically. Um, okay. Anyway, set up Jet Aviation Desk. Was very successful doing that. Um, am I getting onto the story about how I stopped drinking or are we coming around to that later? <laughs> I would, yeah, and that, that leads perfectly into your drinking career because that, that, it, it sounds like, was that, would you say that was the the start of it ramping up, would you say? Mm, yes. Um, I guess it's gone through, um, it's a drinking career from the get-go. Uh, 12 years old was the first, um, first go. I arrived into high school and um, the other kids were like, you haven't been drunk yet. What's wrong with you? Um, so full of shame, I went home, broke the padlock on my parents' um, drink cupboard. It was um, padlocked. Wow. <laughs> no, I love they, it. That's, that's they, some serious they knew commitment. what kind to... of kids we were. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so anyway, I broke off this, get it, got into it, and I saw whiskey. And I knew that whiskey got mixed with a dark liquid. So I thought, hey, oh, look, port. I know, I'll mix those two together. So I got a oh, co- wow. Coke bottle half with whiskey, half with port, cycled down to the village and managed to convince this girl locally that she would um, babysit me. She wasn't even going to partake, just babysit me while I I drank this okay. um, on a hill. Um, and it just ha- so happened to be my parents' anniversary that evening and they were out for dinner. Rare thing. So I drank this thing, um, got horrendously drunk. Um, the, the girl who was babysitting me was worried about me, called my brothers. They cycled down into the village to come and get me. They thought I was lying. By the time I got home, I completely redecorated the house. Yeah. Um, so um, that was the that was the end of that. I was pretty ill. 
Wow. Um, then, you know, like everyone, um, you know, it, it didn't happen much after that, you know, occasional bit, but then into 20s, um, teens and 20s, you know, I, I'd actually been to Ibiza a few times. I worked in Ibiza for a year. Um, I did entertaining and dancing and all sorts of crazy stuff in Ibiza. Uh, I can um, imagine you doing that very, very successfully. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Loved a bit of that. Um, and, um, you know, I was really very social party boy, but, you know, hardworking and, um, and on a mission, but definitely partying. Sure. And then in my twenties, although whilst I was running companies or running a company, um, it would still be very much weekend partying. Um, Thursday, sometimes, Friday, definitely. Saturday, definitely. Okay. Um, never, I was never a problem drinker. Um, I could happily go on for over into the next day um, from some parties, but I, I was never, I was never a problem drinker. I wasn't really coming home. It wasn't necessarily on my radar. I was just super duper social. And then yes. later when I, when I started oil broking, this is when it became much easier to, to drink a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, you could go to lunch and trying to keep up um, would be getting absolutely slaughtered. So I'd come home um, and then I'd met my wife and we now had a child and coming home at, you know, four o'clock in the morning after a lunch on a Wednesday um, is not going to get a very warm response. No. Um, so there was definitely pressure um, to change. There was pressure in, in areas of my life, but, you know, it was pointed in the wrong directions. You know, my wife was like, you need to leave your job. Um, and, um, and, and so we were trying to work out how to sort this situation. So yeah, that's, that, that's my drinking career. <laughs> and it all came to, it all came to an abrupt end, I guess. Well, not, um, not, not an abrupt end but for a bit. In 2013, I got introduced to Headspace by Andy, funnily enough. So we okay. started working out this interweb. Andy and I used to work at the same broking firm together. Um, and we'd be thick as thieves. Right. Friday, mm. curry house, invite everybody down there at midday, Maharaja. A lot of fun was had um, in there. Uh, Andy would be, be distracting people with his magic tricks and floating and silly things like that that he would do. Um, meanwhile, I'd be topping up people's pint glasses with um, you know, either champagne or Prosecco yes. um, <laughs> or vodka yeah. um, and just to get them more wrecked. And um, yeah, so, so then um, he approached me one day and said, you're into these self-help books. What's a great self-help book? And I said, oh, you go and get Tony Robbins, Awaken the Giant Within. Yes. And that led to the beginning of his transformational journey. He, that book really started everything off for him. Equally, maybe six, a year later, six months, a year later, um, when we met up, he introduced me to this thing called Headspace and I started meditating and, um, and, uh, you know, on the train, I started thinking, you know what, I think alcohol's causing me more trouble than I realized. Yes. Um, so I took a break and, um, you know, over that 90 days, I, I mean, I was just blown away, you know, fitter, faster, healthier, happier. And I think on day 92, it was my birthday and I'd never not drunk on my birthday. So I was like, I just want to do that for the sake of the challenge and, you know, carried on. I did pretty much two years alcohol free. And now, That's as they amazing. say, I drink as much as I want whenever I want. I just usually choose not to have a drink. Um, and that's the, that's the dream, isn't it? It's like, um, you know, I think I mean, it is for many. It's, it's like social, we've, I've mentioned this before. It's like social smoking for people who are, you know, habitual smokers, you know, that, that's the holy grail is being able to pick it up as and when you please without any, um, you know, need for it, you know, no, no reliance on it. Um, and I think that's, 
I think for a lot of people who are going down the route of doing something like a, a, a booze break or, um, you know, taking, uh, taking a step back from alcohol, it's not necessarily because it needs to stop forever. It's more about the, the fact that you can stop in its tracks, take a step back and reevaluate and, and be able to come back with a, a much more sort of healthy attitude and yep. and lifestyle around it and and I, you know, that, that that's exactly where i want to go and this is the great experiment is getting to a stage where you know perhaps some some at some point down the line i go do you know what it's not for me anymore yeah great if you do great um and yes well you're doing you're doing all the right things i think that i think there's a, a there's a plethora of factors see i have a i have an unpopular theory um and that unpopular theory is that anybody can um, and there are a lot of people out there who say that moderation is a myth and it's impossible. Yes. Um, and I understand that when you look through your two-dimensional framework of this is how my life is, these are the traumas that I've experienced, these are the pressures that I live with in today's society, no moderation is not possible. And I say, I agree with you. Moderation mm-hmm. under those circumstances is not possible. But I believe that you can change almost all of those circumstances and that you can create circumstances that no longer dictate whether you have an addictive behavior with alcohol around, that you can exist with it, either having it once in a blue moon or or taking a leaving. I believe that is possible for anybody. And whether we ever get around to proving that or not, um, I would love to make make, um, ways of proving it. And I think there are elements of proof out there with it, you know, when you look at addiction, when you look at the research behind addiction and, you know, like the Vietnam War and the US Army forces being heavily reliant upon opioids and coming back and actually consuming nothing, none, um, or very little. They thought there was going to be an epidemic flooding the US and it didn't. They just stopped using. Um, so there are there are there are lots of things that that, that prove that environment is such a huge factor. One really, really powerful piece is empowerment. So when people expect you not to be drinking, how powerful is that for you? Yeah. And so it's very powerful for me because people expect me not to drink. Like if, I, if I'm normally always wearing a one-year no-beer logo and I decide, yeah. oh, I might just nip in and, and, and have a beer, I'm going to be standing in a bar with a T-shirt on, with one-year no-beer on, holding <laughs> a pint. Can I justify that? How is that going to be responded to? So there are all of these things that might be questioned um, um, at that point. Now, the, your, what you're doing is setting up a podcast and mm-hmm. therefore people are listening to you and they're being inspired by you. And in a way, you're feeling a sense of ownership in other people's journey. That's incredibly powerful. And guess what? This is what we're trying to create with One Year No Beer. So everything that I have looked at to say, well, what have, what, what have I got? What, what makes me special? Why am I able to do this and others aren't? And how can I give that to them? Yes. How can I make people feel empowered? Well, that's why we're building an ambassador model so that individuals can come in and grow a part of One Year No Beer in their communities, whether that's online or offline. If you're creating a podcast or a social media presence or a blog, and you, you want to create a lifestyle business around that because that keeps you empowered. You're, you're doing the good work. You are doing amazing work, Dan, and Thank I you. applaud you for that. But you should be rewarded for it, right? You've learned something. You're passionate about something. You're spending your time, effort, and energy, and it's helping people. Yes. Frick, if we can't be paid for doing that, why are we paid for all the other rubbish we do yeah, <laughs> as yeah. jobs? This is what we should be being paid for. And I believe that it, it just zooming right out for a second that that's actually the future for our society, humanity, mm-hmm. is that we can be paid for helping others and supporting others. And whether that's taking coaching to another level or supporting people through behavior change, 
etc. That's what we're trying to build here anyway. It's an amazing message. And um, it's, it's, it's something that almost comes quite natural. And I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this and the fact that once you take a step away from alcohol, and once you start to properly research it, you you actually get excited about the you know the, the the situation that you're in. It's not just about kind of white knuckling it and hoping for the best. It's more about really educating yourself on the processes. Once you've got to a certain stage in that, uh, it was just natural for me, and, and I'm and I'm and I'm thinking it, it might have been for you as well that you just go, I need to share this information. Um, yeah. And also it, it becomes a part of your accountability and the fact that I I need to be learning more and I need a reason to be researching uh, other than just my own benefit. I want to be able to sort of help people um, uh, down that road. Do you think that's why, and and was, was that the process of starting One Year No Beer for you guys, was the fact that you, you've, 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 you've tapped into this, um, this brand new feeling, this new sensation and, and all of this, science and, and stuff behind it you think i've got to share this with someone yeah was that how it started it it it, it definitely is you know when we well it, being brutally honest andy and i were looking for a way um out of the oil industry um, yes. and we met with with two heads of that and we were saying what is it and i had been um in self-development and self-help since the age of 12 i'd also set up and run businesses before um, and um, so we put our heads together. Andy just done a psychology degree, a master's in positive psychology. He'd gone off and studied mindfulness, NLP. So he'd armed himself with a lot of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and we sat in a room together, and we were like, "Right, what can we? What can we do?" We met every Tuesday night uh, in uh, the Hoxton in Hoburn, and they very kindly gave us big shout out to the Hoxton. Uh, they very kindly gave us a, a room for free. Um, so one of their 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 board, small boardroom areas, they've got a great area for meetings and we would go in there every Tuesday. Um, and because we were working at competing broking firms, this is sort of, we had to meet legally off grid, right? <laughs> we okay, should yeah. be meeting each other as competing brokers <laughs> and uh, not illegally, but you know, um, not wanting your, your, your bosses to know or colleagues to know. So anyway, sure. and we, we were waxing lyrical. We were like, look, let's set up a mindfulness app. Let's positive psychology into corporates. You know, this is what we really want to do. And we were looking at all these pieces. And the one thing we, we sat on was this incredible superpower that had come around um, from going alcohol free. You know, everything mm-hmm. had started to change in my life. For Andy, all of that learning came from turning off the, 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 the booze for him. Um, and so we were like, it had it, it, taken Andy considerable time. You know, he, he was three years, he was wrestling with it, on, off, on, off, fall off the wagon, big style, go disappearing for a day or two. <laughs> um, and um, so whereas I, I just, when I made the decision, that was it. Yes. And um, so we had these two different perspectives and we brought all that together. So for us, we said, look, it doesn't matter how many times you'd have told me before I'd made that decision that alcohol was the problem, I wouldn't have believed you. And so in order for people to feel it and understand it and experience themselves, we've got to, we've got to get them to feel it themselves in order for them to understand what this is. Absolutely. So how can we do that? Well, let's create a challenge. And so we dressed it up as a challenge and um, we came up with a 90 day challenge to begin with. Um, we were going to put it straight onto a platform and charge for it. And I, begged Andy not to, um, mm-hmm. um, and um, because I wanted it to go viral and spread all over the world. And again, at this, at this core of me was having this massive impact in the world. Um, so when we launched it, we launched it all for free and it spread all over the world. I mean, we had a following in India and in China and Brazil. We had people popping up uh, all over the world. It was just amazing. 
Um, and then we started to get the letters in, you know, emails, social media posts, handwritten letter. Uh, it's changed my life. I've got my health back. I've got my family back. A letter from a son saying, I've got my dad back. It was, oh, wow. I'll be lying in bed next to Jen, my wife, and, um, you know, reading these, these stories out with tears in her eyes, just like, wow, look at the impact we're having on people's lives. It was just yeah. amazing. However, the real impact wasn't just on our lives. It was also on our wallets. I mean, I had run up in the first year, I'd already run up six figure bill, um, oh, wow. personally. And so we basically funded a lot of people to get sober <laughs> personally, yes. which, which is, which is, which is amazing uh, for those guys. But at some, at some point you've got to eat, haven't you? Yeah. Well, it needs to not be a hobby. Yeah, um, <laughs> and now and and of course that that allows you to be able to put as much time as physically possible into it. You know, you can you can prioritize it if it's be, yeah. becoming something that is actually, um, you know, a, a career. Well, yeah, I mean, this time I'm still full time oil broker, senior shareholder, running a team of guys, um, and um, yeah, so still 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 doing that job, full speed ahead. Yeah. So I think the big the big break in a way. I mean, it was middle of 2017. Um, and, uh, I sent a tweet out to a journalist after, um, sacking a PR company for doing nothing and costing us 25 grand over sort of four or five months, literally, you know, a matchbox in a paper. It was like, this is awful. Mm-hmm. So I walked out of that meeting, went into a cafe, sent 10 tweets to 10 different journalists. One of them replied. Um, and off the back of it, we ended up getting a 10 minute feature on BBC world news in over 200 countries. Amazing. Um, and pretty much unheard of for a business to get that kind of exposure. Uh, and a friend of mine called me up in Italy and he said, hey, Ruri, I've just seen what you're doing. I think it's amazing. I'm meeting the Dalai Lama next week. Would you like to meet him? Wow. Um, so a week later, I'm in um, Pisa and mm-hmm. uh, I get to ask the Dalai Lama a question um, in front of about 5,000 people. And I shouldn't, I shouldn't have been there. It was, it was amazing how things shifted for me to be next minute not in, not really. I mean, next minute on the stage asking the Dalai Lama question. Anyway, we ended up staying at his same hotel, um, which shouldn't have happened either. Crazy stuff happened that weekend, and I'm not religious. If I was going to put myself to anything, it would be the way you know the Buddhist way. Yes. Um, um, but this had all come from meditating on that train. And the fact that it led me to this point, I was like, you know what? I know why I was put on this planet. I know why I had those recurring nightmares, why I couldn't fit in, why I wrote that letter to Branson, all those failed startups, everything had led me to this point. Um, so I went in on Monday morning and said, I'm out to my oil broking job. Mm-hmm. Um, and nobody, everybody was gobsmacked. They were just like, are you mad? You know, um, completely insane. And I was, I mean, financially, that was the worst financial decision I've ever made um, so far. <laughs> <laughs> well, I get the impression you were very successful at it as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I was, I was very good at my job. Um, and um, yeah, so got out of that, got straight into one year, no beer. And, you know, I would love to say that it's been all roses and sunshine ever since, but this is, this is one year, no beer has been the hardest thing I've ever done. You know, the mm-hmm. sacrifices personally, um, the sacrifices as a family, um, you know, we blew up our life within shortly after um, the Dalai Lama piece. Um, we, uh, we, we decided, look, we just can't continue a London lifestyle. So um, we took the kids out of private school. We sold our house there. We moved up um, uh, to North Berwick um, and um, brought all our costs right down because we were like, we're going to need to hunker down. This is, this is, this is a long game. Yes. 
Um, so yeah, it's, it, but, but I'm never not grateful for those decisions. Being forced to make those decisions means now I can get on my boat most days. Uh, I'm 10 minutes to 10 different beaches. Um, and, um, you know, all of those are huge factors in not just changing my relationship with alcohol, but making me a less hedonistic individual. Yeah. Uh, you know, for, for, for all of my twenties, I had to find a way, um, to self destruct and it was either through booze or through fast cars. I raced cars for a while. Um, I loved motorbikes. The closer I got to death, the more excited I felt or alive yeah. I felt. And I would communicate that, you know, um, I was always trying to get myself right onto the edge. Um, and I don't do, I don't have any need for that now. Like I love thrill uh, and I still love adrenaline, um, but I don't have a need to self-destruct in that no. way. Uh, and I can totally and that, relate I to think, that. I think that is the journey that you are on. That yep. is that, and, and if you think this is just about not just changing your relationship with alcohol, then you've completely missed the point. The reason why alcohol was becoming an intense situation in our lives is because of the greater work that needs to be done. Like mm-hmm. if, you want, if you want to expedite this journey, start working with a coach now. Don't wait. Yes. Read the books. Meditate. Um, do, do really envelop yourself in this positive psychology principles. You've got, a, we've all got a lot of work to do to try and discover. And I think, sorry, I'm going to let you talk in a second, Dan, but no, I, I think love it. that there's some of the biggest discoveries I've paid tens, if not hundreds of thousands of pounds on over the years. I've been in counseling since I was six years old, counselors, counselors, counselors in my twenties and thirties, coaching in my thirties. And I, and I had much bigger shifts in my life through coaching than I ever had with counseling. Mm-hmm. And then the biggest shifts in my life actually happened through meditation. Um, the, some of the discoveries of traumatic experience in my past that I found through meditating were mind-blowing. Yes. And, and, and then when they're released, they're released. They, they don't, they don't, um, car- you don't carry them around with you all the time. So, yeah. I think we'd be we'd both be great poster boys for Headspace um, for sure because it is a catalyst for a lot of big big steps in, in your life and it was it was the same for really? me not necessarily around alcohol or that, that that was part of it but through uh, anxiety and again anxiety is heavily linked to um, you know, you know re- your relationship with alcohol but you know similar scenario uh, using Headspace years ago um, you know in its early early sort of stages of the app uh, and I still use it. Um, you know, completely changed my process and it's really helped and aided me in in a lot of the stuff that that I'm going through. But like you say, you know, um, it's alcohol is just one, one step, but it's, it's a big step that allows you to reevaluate a lot of other stuff in your life as well. Um, not, not, not just your health, your health is, you know, that, that was my main concern, but like you say, relationships, um, productivity you know um i've i've got more time got more energy to 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 do stuff but what's what's really interesting is when i was when i was drinking i was a creative thinker i've always you know i've always been i hate i hate to use the word a creative but i've always been a photographer i've always been, i've always worked in this this industry of you know um, imagery and, and video production and I always thought I was this kind of deep meaningful thinker you know i'd be sitting sitting having my single malt in the evenings and contemplating my art and my life and, and stuff like that. But I did fuck all about it. I, I didn't do anything. Um, yeah. I just thought about it. And um, what I've found since um, stopping drinking, 
at least for the time being, is um, I've still got those amazing creative thoughts, but I actually do stuff about them now. I get yeah. up the next day and go, yeah, <laughs> Take let's do action. it. Yeah. Let's crack on with this. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that great thought that I had, not only did I journal it, but I, um, I already made some notes. I did this. And, and the next day I make some phone calls and I've made that kind of stuff happen. So it's, um, it, 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 it's very freeing, isn't it? Um, is it is stopping or has, has changing your relationship affected any other major parts of your life other than one year no beer? Um, have there been any other big major decisions in your life that have kind of, you know, have been a part of the sort of changing your relationship with alcohol? The, the, that question's the wrong way around. <laughs> so changing changing the things in my life and all of them have changed are what have changed my relationship with alcohol. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So and and that is the reality of the journey that we are all on. Mm-hmm. So we come in through and thinking that alcohol is the problem and we remove that alcohol but we're given clarity energy, we're given we're given exactly what you said, the will to want the will and want to improve ourselves. Yes. That gift is given to us because we need to change shit. Excuse my French. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the, 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 to go through just not drinking and abstaining from that piece, but not make the life improvements or the life changes, guess what? You're going to go back and you're going to say moderation is impossible for me. You're mm-hmm. right. Tick. But to come through, open your eyes and make those difficult decisions and changes. And they're everywhere. You know, some friendships that weren't real, that were just false friendships. Yes. Um, th- those things need to change. You need to stop accepting the way some people treat you. And, and, and that's not okay anymore. It was okay when you were drinking. It was okay when you just put up with that, but it's not okay for you anymore. And then what about what you do? You know, you're feeling like you contribute you're doing what you love. Um, and I think a lot of people need to make some course adjustment in there. Um, and I think, so, so when you look at my life, it is totally different. Yes. <laughs> it is unrecognizable, different, um, in a positive way. and yeah, an incredibly positive way. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's lots of things I still love and dip my toe back into there and go and hang out with my old pals and buddies and, 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 um, you know, definitely do all that. But in, in, in reality, you know, it's way more about family life. And um, and giving my kids a nurturing family life than it is about me making lots of money, um, and I was going to shiny restaurants and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah. I think uh, and also children are a huge catalyst to, to these kinds of uh, you know you, you when you life changes. A, yeah, when, when you become a parent, you you all of a sudden start questioning your own actions and what you do and life and time. All of a sudden, mm. time becomes an issue when you're when you're a parent. And, yep. uh, and again, you know, it goes on from what you just said, you know, you, you start to think, am I wasting time by drinking and, and being hung over and not being productive? And, um, you know, uh, especially when you've got young children uh, like us who've, you know, all of a sudden you realize they grow up so, so quick. And so every, every bit of this sort of time when they love you and they just want to be with you and stuff, you, you ideally need to be <laughs> making the most of that, especially if you work full time and, you know, yeah. you've only got, you know, a small amount of time with them um, sort of on a daily basis. Um, for sure. I just want to take a quick break to let you guys know about my Patreon. So if you're liking the content that you're listening to uh, on the Booze Break podcast, you can actually show your support by going over to the Booze Break website, which is boozebreakpodcast.com. Right at the top there, there's a little button that says donate. You can click on there and it goes straight to my Patreon page. This is where you can actually 
pledge a sum per month to help support the the show and me. First of all, that's really generous and, and thank you. But also you do get um, some benefits to that as well. Different tiers that you can um, go to. There's actually this legend, warrior and godlike behemoth. With the legend tier, which is just £7.50 a month, uh, you can actually get access to new episodes before they get released on their official release dates. And uh, you can cancel this at any point. Of course, you're not tied into anything necessarily. With the uh, Warrior tier, which is £15 a month, you get early access to the episodes, you get a, a coveted booze break sticker and access to the private Facebook group for people who are on a booze break and, and want to join a community and help support each other and with you know with positivity and hints and tips. And then you've got Godlike Behemoth, which is £30 a month. If you donate that, you're an absolute star and, and I can't thank you enough. With this, you get early access to episodes, you get a shout out on one of my podcasts, uh, you get the booze break sticker, you get access to the private Facebook group, and you also get an epic booze break t-shirt as well. So any support that you guys could give would mean a huge amount to me. Uh, notoriously, podcasts don't don't earn a great deal. So any bit that you can give would, would make a huge difference and it just keeps me motivated and, and able to be producing content and taking the time out to do research and, and put these episodes out. So I uh, thank you. Back to the episode. M- moderation, again, going back to that is is one of those topics that is, it's, like I say, it's the holy grail. Um, and you seem to have got to that stage and, and are doing really well. Does it still require effort to 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 keep on, on that track? Do you have to be constantly checking in on yourself? Or is it, is it just become a natural thing now? It's not something that factors into your willpower, let's say. Um, I don't, it's not, it, it is not a constant should I, shouldn't I, or anything like that. It, it mostly doesn't enter my brain. Great. Um, so it doesn't enter my brain when I have a meal, for example, I'm not like, Oh, you know, I uh, bought a drink or I better not have a drink tonight. No, none of that factors in. Um, I'll go weeks by without even thinking about it. Not even a thought is, is, That's great. is uh, goes to it. Then, um, but when you come to a place or an event or whatever. Yeah. I mean, there could be, am I drinking tonight? Am I not drinking tonight? Should, should I, is this, when did I last have a drink? Should I, okay, well, could, so there are that, but it's not like this big wrestling because mm-hmm. there's just not the emotion attached to it. So I guess in, in the same way that you would question mostly, whether you should have that dessert. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, mostly depending on how you feel about the dessert. Yes, <laughs> because because if you've got a real sugar addiction, then the, the compelling noise could be absolutely torturous for you. And trying to moderate your sugar intake one of the hardest things to do on the planet because you just know that it's screaming at you to take it, take it, take it, take it. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Yeah. Um, so that is all of what we're talking. We're talking about addiction. Um, we're talking about the noise and how intimate we are relationship with these different things. So anyway, um, I think the, the key factor is that once you've changed your relationship with it, or when you go through that process, certainly if taking extended break from it, just if there was one thing you were going to do, the extended break minimum 90 days, most people should be going for longer. Um, uh, is, is that you will, you will get much more of an experience of what it does to you. Um, so you really feel the hangover. Um, and you really feel the impact it has on you because the thing about a depressant is imagine we labeled this what it is, right? So Mm -hmm. imagine it was labeled, um, ethanol and it had the same skull and crossbones. Now, if you Google what is alcohol, it'll tell you it's a colorless flammable volatile liquid also used as a fuel source. 
mm-hmm. known as ethanol. Now, has there ever been a study in the history of humankind that putting ethanol into the human body is good for you? Absolutely no, not. there has never been, and there never will be. So <laughs> let's do away with this absolute codswaddle that alcohol is good for you. No, some mm-hmm. of the ingredients used to mask the horrific taste of alcohol because it's a poison have some benefits to you, like the like the um, um, tannins, etc. In in wine, however, you can get that really easily in much larger quantities in a good natural diet. So let's do away the nonsense that alcohol is good for you. The next piece is that um, as, as, as ethanol or as imagine the bottle was labeled that now imagine the bottle was labeled with its after effects. Okay. So let's just say instead of that and change, let's change it to a pill. This, this pill is going to make you feel depressed. This pill is going to make you feel anxious. This pill may make you give you suicidal thoughts. This pill is going to make you feel more emotional and unable to cope, right? For days afterwards. How many people would be running around popping that pill? Oh, no one. No one. <laughs> right? Okay, so the high, we've totally deluded ourselves with this high of the moment and then ignored the past and ignored the, 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 the peace afterwards. And yes. taking a break from booze gives you the opportunity to see that that bad bit for what it really is yeah and then you go you know what i don't want that at all in my life or i only want that irregularly so people might say well really when you know that why do you still have a drink mm. and i'm like because i mean look at the self-destruct i came from i don't feel mind feeling a bit anxious and 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 sad afterwards on the odd rare occasion but i'm not going to do it very often because it impacts my work it impacts my relationship with my family it impacts the relationship with my wife all of those things so it's just not worth it. So I think that pace m- makes it much easier to control. I think w- w- when you're in a situation where you are habitually drinking, like I was daily, um, or even if it's just, like you say, two or three days, you know, like, like you're, you're a weekend drinker or something, like that, those effects are going to be ongoing you kind of never you're never really out of that cycle even when you get to sort of friday morning you're still in that cycle of um you know the kind of like mild hangover and and anxiety and stuff because it, it does take a while to sort of leave your system in, in that respect um yeah and the more research you, you do into this uh, which i've been doing and it and it's all very very clear it's really there's not a lot of pleasure that you get from alcohol um uh, you know, on a regular basis. And what, what I'm finding is actually what you're getting is just relief from the withdrawal symptoms, relief yeah. from the, the hangover. It's that kind of constant hair of the dog um, scenario, just more long term. So once you take that break away from alcohol, um, you realize that actually you feel great most of the time. And the the, the pleasure's less because you're, you're, you're out of withdrawal. You've, you've taken 90 days off. Alcohol has well and truly left your system. And... Um, so all you're getting is the base stuff that you would, you know, that if you'd have, if you'd have had a drink for the first time ever, and actually, you know, everyone, I think everyone's first drink was pretty horrific. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, certainly your experience sounded pretty rough. Um, so yeah. yeah, you know what? What's uh, you know what in that situation? What's the point? So you can make a more clear judgment after taking yeah. this prolonged break. Is there a sweet spot for you? Do you think in terms of the uh, the amount of time, um, you know, so it was what, about a year, a couple of years, was it, did you say that that before you got to this stage? Yes, I did a year and then um, I, I had a drink or two between it. 
Um, and it led up to Christmas. My brother came down with his wife um, and sort of three days of drinking in a row um, led to the largest argument my wife and I had had in over a year. And I was like, I just don't want this in my life. Mm. Um, so that was another year part it. And I think that that's when I started coming up with these rules and regulations, um, which was what we've now put into a total control course. Um, so this is not really live yet, but um, you know there is a total control course for people who are thinking about after doing their challenge, minimum of 90 days, preferably a year. If you're thinking about going to drinking, here's some structure and how to do it. Um, really and helpful. so... So there's a framework for, for instance, um, <clears throat> you need to set your own guidelines and, and boundaries. So for instance, if I, for me personally, if, if I woke up with two hangovers in a row, um, that would be an immediate 30 day naughty step, 28 day naughty step. That's um, brilliant. If I, if I found myself drinking two days in a row unplanned, um, then it would be a 90 day naughty step, you know, and all of these yeah. different pieces, depending on what your style of drinking was. If I drank, when I, if I woke up the next day and I felt that I needed the drink, right. And that's not when to drink. Oh, I really need this drink. You, no, you never need it. Okay. If you're going to enjoy it, that's fine, but yes. not need it. If it's the crutch and helping you, it's only making things worse. And that's a spiral you don't want to get into. So if I, if I feel I needed to drink last night because of something kicking off minimum 90 days, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yes. Um, and you could equally say if I, if I, and for me, if I have a massive Barney, like a real, real hurtful Barney with my wife, that's just a straight year. Like I'm not even going to bat an eyelid. I don't want to be into that unreasonable situation. So anyway, Absolutely. um, so we, um, yeah, so we created that and we created a, a, a small test community for people um, in there. But that, that's going to become a much bigger piece of one year no beer as we invest in the next level of our product, which is that's amazing. And, and to be able to be able to have that support post break is yeah. I never even th I didn't think about that. I thought once you've done your break, you're good to go enjoy the rest of your life. But there's stuff that you can put in place. Yeah, I think it's the most delicate time. I think most mm -hmm. people want to know that they've got somebody there who's going to say, "Oi, you, back here yes. now," because here is lovely. Yeah. Like, why do you want to venture from here? Here is sun shining. Relationships are good. I feel happier. I feel healthier. Why do I want to venture away from here? So if I'm going to venture away, I want a lifeline back, and really that's what we wanted to create—a lifeline back to to um, where it's safe again. give the listeners a, an idea of you know let, let's say they were, they were thinking they're thinking about embarking on a on a, a break from alcohol um could you sum up what one year no beer is in terms of what they achieve what they get you know in terms of things like the community and the support and things like that is, is, is that something you can sum up in five minutes yes absolutely so well i mean the the whole pur pur purpose of one year no beer is um a program to help you change your relationship with alcohol i think that's key so there's there's absence programs out there there's challenges not to do a month and what you do is you basically abstain from something you love you set yourself a month, you ignore your social circle, you white knuckle it and you count down the days to the first of the month so you can get drunk again. And all you do is reaffirm the limiting belief that alcohol is pertinent to your life. So what we wanted to do is help people change their relationship with it. Like if you feel that alcohol's around too much, you've woken up not knowing what you did the night before, got yourself into a bit of a mess. Maybe you feel so anxious 
but not just that, you could have niggling health issues that you haven't associated. This was my situation. You know, anxiety, depression, um, feeling lost, not sure what direction you're going in, as well as lots of niggling health issues. I mean, we've got a guy who did five rounds of IVF, told never get pregnant naturally because he would had too low a swim count and 100 days into our challenge, they get pregnant naturally. So Incredible. there are many wide-ranging reasons why somebody might want to take a break from booze. Um, and um, so while you're taking that break, we want you to actually change your relationship with it so that you don't, you don't feel it's around all the time. You're just in more control. Um, and so there's a process involved in that. We send daily emails, daily videos, and peer support. And that is all designed around getting you to start thinking about alcohol in a different way. To start lifting off all the marketing, all the, all the brainwashing that we've been given by society, by marketing, by people around us, and lift the lid on that and start asking the questions. Because when you do, and you experience alcohol-free, like the, the, the incredible fresh skin, hair looking better, looking mm. younger. One lady posted this morning, her husband said she looks as, as, as amazing as she did when they first met. You know, That's she, incredible. And, and, and Professor Kevin Moore, we, we, we're talking about doing a study where we're going to randomize people's before and after photos, put them into a long stream, and then ask people to guess the age. And then okay. show people how much on average age you lose by taking a break from booze. Um, and um, I just, you know, I think it'd be a decade for most people. It wipes a decade oh, really? off your face. It's just amazing how much clearer and, and happier and fresher people look. So anyway, that, that, that's how it all works. You get the support, you get the community's huge. People don't realize how big community is, but it's all about the community. So um, and out of the end of it, what have, you, what have you got? I don't know what's changed for you in your life, but if you're regularly drinking more than three glasses of wine a week, I promise you will change your life in ways you never imagined. And it could be your health, it could be your mental health, it could be the things that are going on for you. But if you embrace yourself in the program, we will change your life. And that's because it's not an abstinence program. It's a life coaching program. Because yeah. the reason why you're drinking is because these factors, environment, meaning, purpose, values, um, positive psychology, NLP, these pieces of, uh, are missing in your life. That's brilliant. And, and I can wholeheartedly second you know, what you just said in the fact that it, it, it is holistic, isn't it? It's, it's um, you know, I get the emails every single morning as part of my routine. I'm still in bed. I open up the email, watch the video, and it's not just, okay, here's a tip to how to fight a craving. Or, you know, here's some scientific information about why alcohol is bad for your liver or something like that. It's yeah. all really positive, really self-affirming um, scenarios and tasks that you can, um, you know, think about and, and, and put into practice, uh, as well as really useful information. And it's just, um, it's, it's all encompassing. It's not just constantly about that, you know, this is how to stop drinking or how to, yeah. you know, abstain for a certain amount of times. It's, it's so helpful. And as you said, the community is a huge part of it because all of a sudden, you know, I think for a lot of people, especially during things like um, Sober for October and stuff, if they're the only one doing it in their friendship circle, um, you know, you're already uh, going to struggle. You know, it's, it is it is already more difficult. And the community aspect of, of One Year No Beer is fantastic because, you know, after, after that email in the morning, I can jump on there and I can see how everybody's doing. There's people that are, that are doing a year and they're posting about how amazing their life is at the moment. Yeah. There's yeah. people who 
are potentially struggling because of course you know it's if it was easy you wouldn't we wouldn't need one year no beer um but you know i've posted in there personally and and talked about a situation that i've been in on that particular day um and asked for some feedback a few other people have said yep I did that. Don't worry, you know, two more days and you'll probably start to feel like this. And, and of course, you know, those kinds of things have been happening. And uh, so it's, re- it's really, really helpful just to keep you on track. And, and it's, it's one of the biggest parts for me is that is that amazing One Year No Beer community is so positive. I love yeah, it. It is. Thank What's you. next for One Year No Beer? I'm excited to hear this answer. Uh, well, um, we're just going through our crowdfunding raise right now, which we today we hit 100%, which is actually the first day. So the first 24 hours of being live to the public on CEDAS, we've hit our funding target of 1.4 million. Incredible. Um, we will go into overfunding, um, which gives us more breathing space and allows us to um, smash our goals. Um, we are building an app in-house. And um, the app is uh, totally going to transform the user experience. So um, personally... Um, people come on and rave about the product. I think it's absolutely awful compared to what it could be, um, and I think we're we're hmm. we're behind in 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 areas of where product development. But all good things come to those who wait. There's an enormous amount of time, effort, energy, and resources going into researching um, the next steps for our product evolution. Um, so as as well as that, you know, we're building a, a sort of Weight Watchers for alcohol model or more, you know, so people can inspire others to, to, to change their relationship with booze on an online and offline basis, like we mentioned earlier. Incredible. Um, and more importantly, so we'll start looking at a second language this year towards the tail end of this year. Oh. But most importantly um, is uh, different verticals. So we've realized that this is not about alcohol. We just use alcohol as an excuse to get people to focus on their personal development. And um, when you substitute that, that behavior change at the beginning with, Caffeine, sugar, porn, gambling, technology, social media, whatever it is, mm-hmm. ultimately it's the same funnel into um, people choosing to live a better life and improve themselves. Um, so that is the long-term development of what we are up to here. So exciting. And I think that's why you know, it's such a great opportunity to be thinking about the crowdfunding round now um, is there is so much, you know, the opportunity is absolutely massive. Uh, the opportunity to make a real real positive impact on this world and to be a brand um, that, that, that has helped many millions of people um, not just turn their life around, but then go on and to create a lifestyle business, helping other people turn their life around. I think that's where it becomes um, embryonic growth. Uh, sorry, you know, um, exponential growth. Yes. Amazing. I'm so excited. I, I can't wait for what's next uh, with one year, no beer. I'm going to be um, keeping my eyes on it, I'm going to keep it in the in the community uh, and keep supporting you guys. Um, so, and you guys have been one year no beer has been such a huge support of the show from the get go, uh, which I can't thank you enough for. You know, you were the first person that I sent a podcast episode to. You rang me straight away and gave me some amazing feedback, and um, I really feel just humbled by that. It's just uh, it's so nice that you've still got you know the time to to put into you know helping helping people within the community who who want to spread the message. I just loved the way you bounced in like a Jack Russell um, (laughs) and um, recognized that in myself um, and, you know, always want to encourage entrepreneurial spirits. And I think we have to stay completely congruent with this message. Our message is to um, empower the world, empower our members to change the world's relationship with alcohol. Um, And 
if somebody wants to go and set up a podcast or to inspire people and they came through the One Year No Beer Challenge, then we are a million percent behind that, that we are absolutely behind um, supporting anybody who is who is making the world a better place. You know, 99.99999% of people who, who aim to collaborate with what we are doing think about it in the right way and collaborate with us in a, in a mutually beneficial way. And we always want to support the entrepreneurialism um, uh, in, in this space. This is a huge, huge space. It's massive space and it's only going to get bigger. Uh, you know, alcohol-free sales growing rapidly um, as, a, a, as a market. Um, I think what we're, what we're looking at is where the diet industry is. Um, you know, this, is, this whole addiction prevention space um, is going to be equally big, if not bigger. Yes, absolutely. Rory, it's, it's been such a pleasure to speak to you. Um, I love your energy and your enthusiasm about the, the, you know, the, the space of One Year No Beer and, and the growth and uh, all the benefits it can, it can bring to, to people. And um, I'm just, I'm so happy to be a part of it and, and be kind of you know, sharing that with my listeners. Uh, there's not been one episode of the Booze Break podcast where I haven't mentioned One Year No Beer, you know, in, in, in some respect. <laughs> Thank you. So Thank you. Uh, it, it, it works. I love it. Where's the best place for people to go if they're thinking about um, taking a break from alcohol? Go straight to oneyearnobeer.com. Avoid Facebook. No, I'm, good. I'm kidding. Uh, go straight to oneyearnobeer.com and um, come and join us on a challenge. Um, and um, leave the life-changing bit to us. I just have to add one more thing, and that is that your voice, I mean, it's like audio liquid. It's like silk. Really? Silk, you know, running into my ears. Yeah. This is oh, my, I appreciate um, that. So, so uh, capitalise on that. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> I really appreciate it. I've always hated my voice, but um, it's, it's, it seems to be working. Um, oh, it's, no. it's, it's, I'm sure everyone hates their voice when, it's, when they hear it um, on a recording. I've uh, got Rory, a thank you. face for radio. Oh, <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not quite ready to make this a video podcast yet. Maybe one day. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure, Ruri. I, I will leave all, all of the information um, where my listeners can go and and find One Year No Beer and connect and, and, and join a challenge. Um, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate yeah. it. Thanks, mate. All the best. All right, that was the interview with Rory Fairbairns, co-founder of One Year No Beer and an all-around lovely guy. I hope you got a lot from that interview. Uh, if you're thinking about taking on a challenge over at One Year No Beer, then you can head over to their website um, or you can uh, follow the link in my show notes. If you don't know where show notes are, you can head over to boozebreakpodcast.com, click on episodes and, on, and uh, then just click on episode seven. And that'll be the episode with uh, with Ruri. And there'll be more information on there, more links to the stuff that we've talked about, like the book that I mentioned earlier today. Um, if you haven't already, I would love it if you could subscribe, if possible, and also leave me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This makes a huge difference to the show in terms of the reach and who it gets out to. And on the back of that, I want to give a big shout out to No Mess Ness, who left this review on Apple Podcasts. So No Mess Ness says, I'm a 56-year-old woman with grown children. Now look at Dan's picture. How could I possibly relate to this guy? Because we're both open to looking at the role drinking plays in our lives and how we might make some shifts. I like Booze Break because Dan is articulate and thoughtful. And even if our paths aren't the same, our emotional experiences essentially are. And his chats and interviews demonstrate a non-judgmental approach to the whole topic. One of my regular listens. I'm shedding a tear here. Um, thank you so much for that. No mess, Ness. I really appreciate you. 
um, taking the time to write that. And it's, um, it's really, it's really lifted my spirit. So I appreciate it. I'd love to hear from you guys. So get in touch on Instagram or Facebook, both of which are at Booze Break Podcast. Tell me what you thought of the episode. Tell me about your booze break or just say hi. You can also email, you can just go onto the website uh, boozebreakpodcast.com and you can contact me through there if you don't want it to be public or anything like that. For now though, thank you so much for listening and I'll see you in the next one. Peace!